0: Stuffy here, and I'm absolutely thrilled and delighted to have one of my heroes right on screen with me. The, the great Rob Elliott, uh, fresh from uh, Newcastle United. Well, not fresh, because with isolation, I don't think there's much freshness in, in the world today, but from Newcastle United. Uh, hello, Rob, how are you?
1: I'm good, mate. I'm fresh. I had a shower, I promise.
0: <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> you are fresh, then. That's the main thing. Where are you today?
1: Uh, I'm just sitting in. Um, I'm sitting in my bedroom, um, looking over the sea.
0: We live on the coast, obviously, round the corner from yourself, and just yeah. So it's, um, it's a beautiful. And a it bedroom. is, a bu- and it is a beautiful day outside, right? It's yeah, uh, exactly. you know, and we're all exactly. stuck indoors, right? So that beach is is, is attractive, I'm sure, to us all. So for those who yeah. are listening, listening internationally, so internationally, and may not know the star that you actually are, you know, Irish international Newcastle United player. Goalkeeper, tell us a little bit about yourself. Obviously, I know it, but uh, tell us a little bit about yourself.
1: Well, I don't know about Star, but um, no, I've been, um, uh, been at Newcastle the last nine years. Been lucky enough to play in the Premier League in Europe and play for Ireland. Um, and I sort of, sort of, yeah, I started playing in goal when I was 16, a bit late to goalkeeping, and just sort of fell in love with it. It was one of those moments when I went in goal first and it just felt right, felt natural hard to explain really and then from that moment I never really been focused in my life until I mm. played golf and then my focus shifted and sort of everything else took a back seat and um, yeah I sort of I feel very fortunate to be where I am because when you look back at this age all the things that happened um, I think you, you have a lot of control over what you can and can't do but then also you have to accept that destiny luck whatever you call it plays a part but I'm a big believer that when them opportunities come you've got to be making sure that you're ready to use them um, and yeah but sort of a bit of a mixture of everything really uh, so I feel very fortunate to be where I am um, especially towards the end of my career sort of 34 mm. in a couple of weeks just want to go back that's to not this, that's not that's
0: kids. not the end of your career mate you know that's just the end <laughs> of the beginning either. it's exactly. the end yeah. of the it's the end of the beginning yeah. the beginning yeah. of the end is about to come all right yeah. Uh, so uh, you know, I, I'm sure people would be interested. Know in, what does it feel like to be a star at Newcastle? Like, so I know the Geordie's really well, right? Obviously, a passionate you're know, playing in front of fifty odd thousands of people week in, week out, living in the area. What does it feel like to be a, a star, or, or or do you do you feel like that? I'm sure you'll say I'm a really only an ordinary person, but you know, it must feel different to live your life amongst a community where fifty five thousand people are just. Nuts about you.
1: Yeah, I think that's the biggest thing. It took me a while to realise is that everyone in Newcastle follows Newcastle United. So wherever you go, it you have to accept as a Newcastle player that people will know that you're there and be watching what you're doing, even if they don't approach you. Um, but I think the best thing for me about it is just how welcoming everyone is. And I think as a person, as a player, as long as you, as long as you are honest and you give everything you possibly can on the pitch and you try and do your best, that gets reciprocated in normal life. So I've already mm. had a really good relationship with the fans and obviously I think the other side of it is if you're just normal and you just get on with life as it is, uh, you're not a pre donor, the people take you even more, you know, like Geordie's for me, um, are just down to earth, like sort of the earth people, like, I had a similar background to what I had and you just they mm. just want people to play for the club that understand it and that's, if that mm. makes sense, like we all like to see the superstars but I think as football fans, you want to see people that actually get what the club means and and I think I've always tried to be respectful of that and try to understand what it is that mm. make, like is important to the fans and to the club. And, and for me, that's just being a part of the community, you know, mm. actively mm. living in the com- living in the community, being a part of it, helping out when you can. Um, and like, I love it. I mean, the joy is a mentor. I mean, you know what it's like on a Saturday night in Newcastle after a game. Mm. Like, it's just, it's crazy. And, and I love that, you know. I love, I love, I love, I've loved going on nights out and chatting to fans. I've loved sort of just being in the shops and having a chat with, with people and, and I think since I moved to the coast, especially, um, I just you don't get any bother. You just have chats with people. And you make friends. and It's, it's, it's just, um, yeah, it's, it's very surreal. It's just, uh, yeah. like you say. Yeah, but it was, it was yeah, but,
0: but, you know, if, you, if, you, if you're going to have trouble with a premiership player, like you'll take on a five foot two one, you're not going to take a six foot six goalkeeper on, right? So you're not <laughs> going to get any bother, right? If you're physically oh, yeah. the size of you, come on, right? You're, you, 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 you tower over most people, right? Especially me. Yeah. Um, I think that's
1: a, I think that's a, Yeah i trouble I think my size Gets me out of trouble <laughs> On occasion But um, It's quite funny though Because as well like, You know that You get a bit of abuse on social media As such as like But touch wood You don't get too much In public So um, yeah I'll uh, I take that To my uh, I take that To my and,
0: and- and, and obviously, with uh, with you know with COVID going on at the present time, and it's having a dramatic impact on you know most people's lives in a in a some some for some you know a, a, a very tragic way. You know, the rest of us are lucky enough that we're just in isolation. How are you managing isolation right now?
1: It's it's been it's been tough. I think um, it's been you're so appreciative of how lucky you are that you're that we're healthy and well, and my kids are okay, and my family are okay, um, and I think. It's also been tough because I've got a five, five, three and a one-year-old. Um, wow. which, as you can imagine, it's wow. tough at the best of times. And I just feel for them because they don't, it's good that they don't quite understand what's going on. But it's also, there's only so much you can do with until they get bored. Um, mm. So we're just sort of trying to be positive, getting them out, getting them active, trying to enjoy some sort of going back to the basics of family time. Mm. Um, and just sort of things like, what, what's quite nice is that we went, we've just been for a walk for our exercise for the day and you're just sort of thinking going out for a walk for an hour how much joy it brings to yourself and the kids when you when you sort of step back from the world um, yeah. so you're just trying to just try like everyone else is just trying to get by and, and appreciate the things that we're lucky to have because like you say so many people are so unfortunate with what's going on and like you just sort of think like obviously for the people affected by it for the, the nhs and the key mm. workers who are having to go in every day um you feel a bit useless i think i've I I felt really guilty for a while, and I didn't, I didn't really mm. realise that I did. I felt guilt because mm. I was like, I can't really do anything to help. You know, I've donated mm. and um, sort of tried to help businesses locally and, um, and, and and done as much as I can like that I've been asked mm. to. But it's just, it's just that side of, um, I think I had a bit of guilt because you think, well, it's not mm. really helping. There's people out like there risking their lives, and, and then you're moaning every now and then about being bored or the kids mm. and, Hmm. yeah you're just trying you're just trying to have a reality check every now and then don't you but
0: um hmm. it's, it's
1: okay it's just we've got to do it i suppose and we've got to make sure we do it in the right way so that when we yeah. come out of it uh, things and be it's better.
0: it's yeah it's, it's it's a it's a very human reaction and it's a very human reaction to want to contribute uh and i think that you know the vast majority of people you know the, that i work with are you know what can i do where can i help and you know in, in 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 trying to help you know, and, and it's you know there are, we, we've seen the hundreds and hundreds of thousands of people for example who who've said that they want to work with or who will help the NHS um of, of which i was one for example but the problem that the hospitals have is they don't have the protective equipment they don't have the health side checks on you so it's very difficult to take all the help and then there's the management of the help is taking people away that have the skills to help on the front line so you know, I, I I totally understand people's wanting to give and people's wanting to support, um, but we also have got to understand that the biggest role that we can play is to stay at home, stay isolated, and you know, not spread the virus. Um, but you know, how do you think football is coping with it overall? You know, there's been the rumours and, and, and statements in the papers about you know the contributions, the reductions. You know, I saw my favourite and my the love of my life, Liverpool. You know, try to furlough people, and then decide, "Oops, oh, we've got loads of money. We better not furlough them." Right, is sending the wrong message. So, how do you think football is coping with it, and, and what's the, the view from inside the camp?
1: I think I can only speak for myself, really. Um, I think, like, I think football's got a massive part to play because it's such a. I think now we see how important it is in society and how much of a big role it plays. Um, and I think as a player, I sort of. I sort of felt that because the whole pay cut thing come around and my view was that like we are run by huge successful businessmen, business clubs, enterprises. And I think as a player, I have no say in their policy and how they dictate in the way they're going to use their business, whether they furlough staff or cuts or whatever. Um, but what I do have a say in because of the way my contract is, um, fortunately, is that is how the money is spent. So for me, is the, the thing I didn't want is any cuts because then there was less money going to the government, which means there's less money going mm-hmm. to the NHS. And I'm quite proud of the fact that like, I do pay a lot of tax. Uh, I'm very lucky and I'm fortunate I pay money, but I do pay a lot of tax. And I like the fact, like, I like that it goes, goes back in and helps people and I like to think that that contributes. But so in an ideal world for me, which is luckily happening, is I can still pay my full tax and I can also donate like, a big chunk of my money away. That's my money that, that then goes on top. And I get to uh, put it into, for example, donate to the NHS, donate into uh, donate to a couple of the local museums and, um, and other services around, just because i want I don't just want my money to be saved, I want my money to be contributed, and I want it to be contributed now now um, I think football ultimately will hopefully learn a lot of lessons from this, and I think it'll work both ways. I think what's probably come out of it is maybe that the players. Do want to do good and that they were not the stereotype that we're always made out to be um, and also the fact that and also I think what you see is the, the amount of money that footballers is to the government um, yeah. and I think it's a catchphrase really too because you know obviously I know you well and you know a few of the lads like we get targeted and painted with a certain brush and mm-hmm. don't think it's a fair bit I don't think it's a fair sort of um, I know we just It's a fair statement of what who we are and what we are as people. Mm. Um, yeah. You know, like I literally just try and stay awake till nine o'clock every night after looking after three kids. And like, I'm very grateful for the career I've had and uh, and all the opportunities. But in no way would I say I'm the the some newspapers version of a footballer. Um, but you just have to accept the good to the bad. And I think what myself and I know a lot of the lads want to do is sort of. Use this opportunity to show how much we care about the community and care, and how grateful we are, and we want to make sure we're giving back as much as possible. And mm-hmm. that's ultimately what what I've
0: tried to. look and and and, and and and, 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 and I, I I can endorse that. I can endorse totally. You know your your charitable giving, and you know you have helped some of the things that we wanted to do. So you know we we thank you for that. And you know the... Of the stars that I work with, you know, there there isn't one that I have met that fits the caricature that the sun would paint. Now I'm sure that there are lads, uh, and you know, there are people who misbehave. All of the rest of it, I'm not, and I'm not condoning any of their actions. But what I'm saying is, you know, in my experience, the people that I meet and the people that I have, you know, the privilege and honor of working with, are just normal people. You know, with three kids, and and, and you know, people wouldn't know, but I, I see you for, uh, I see you for you know, coffee in the local Stevens, Mr. Woods, and we give him a plug, and, uh, Mr. Woods on that. Time <laughs> we love that.
1: Um,
0: <laughs> yes, we'll give him a plug. Um, but yeah, I see you there, and it's, it's, it's all normality, No difference, no worse. But, but coming to things that yeah, you know, people would have uh, have also got an interest in, you know, what's the best match you've ever played in? Um, I think... God, that's a good shout,
1: really. Um, I think the best match I've played in was probably the Europa League game where we beat Andy um, in the quarterfinals. finals uh, The um, Europa League, just simply because we mm. scored a last-minute winner. Um, and it was the first time we've been back in Europe for a long time. And it was just, I think Papis scored at the end to take us through to the next round to play for And it was just, for that split second, you know, for them 10 seconds after that goal went in, you just can't explain that euphoria, you know, that sort of mm. like instant burst of passion. And I think that's what Ultimately, that's why football is what it is and it'll always be around. It'll always keep growing because for them few seconds, whatever club you support, whether it's the famous Aguero goal or it's like Papis scoring against Banzi, there's always moments that you walk away with and they're bonding as well. They last forever. You know, they last forever, whether you're watching at home on the TV with your son or your family or whether you're in the stadium or with your mates or you're on the pitch. Uh, and ultimately, that's what you remember. You don't, you remember them, them moments, them sort of sections of, of just pure joy, love, whatever it might be. Disappointment sometimes they stick with you, um, mm. and I think that's why football is what it is. And that, that for me just it just gave me a glimpse into one what Newcastle could be or will be, hopefully mm. in the future. Um, but two, sort of like it just reminded me why I do what I do and why I love doing it mm. because you
0: yeah, know, I've uh, uh, my own. yes. So who's the most difficult centre forward you played against?
1: I, asked, I actually did a thing yesterday for the um, university in America that my friend works at, and they're obviously on all off, so I just had a chat with all of them. And I sort of thinking about it, and I have to say it's Rooney, um, just simply because he's, always, he's just on a different level to everyone else when he's playing. Now, he, he sees the game before everyone else sees it, and there's a lot of other players that sort of are world class. that like they're lucky to play against, and they all have their own attributes. But I think overall, for me... When, when you think about it, you sort of played against Man United's greatest ever goalscorer, England's greatest ever goalscorer, and you sort of look at him and think. And also, he was just brilliant on the pitch. He was just the way the best player um, um, and the. His mo- movement,
0: it, his movement is yeah. just absolutely extraordinary. But he he wasn't the most aggressive of player. I know that he had a, a side to him. But you know, as a goalkeeper, you know, were you, you know, who, who was the player who just got in your face most? Who just roughed you up more as to took pleasure yeah. out of the physicality. <laughs> and don't say, don't say Alan Shearer, we'll get to him in a minute. Um, but who, who, who would it be? Uh,
1: I'm trying to think physically, who's the one? Uh, probably Big Andy, actually. Um, yeah. Andy Carroll, we play with him now. I think when he was oh, set wow, on the pitch, yeah. his, his sheer size, and his sheer, I mean, <laughs> he makes me look small. His sheer size <laughs> and presence. But I think the thing is, I've never known a player that if the team get a free kick in their half, you suddenly feel like you're really under pressure because he's in the box. And I'll yeah. come out for a few collisions with him and when he hits you, you you stay hit. Um and I think physically like um he is really is probably the toughest opponent as a goalkeeper because you know the simplest ball in the box that should be mm. a simple come catch for you becomes a massive issue because he could jump just as high to head it and he's a big strong mm. strong guy. Mm. So uh, And it's a
0: tragedy his injuries. His injuries were just a tragedy, just an absolute tragedy. For his career
1: yeah, I think. I think that's the thing. I think he's such an honest player and he throws his body into everything so much that obviously, mm. he's, unfortunately, his body's taken the toll of that. Um, mm. But I'm glad he's back where he is because he's a great lad and he cares about the club. And I, and I really do think that, yeah, okay, he might have to manage his body, but if you can get him on the pitch, even 50% of the time, that 50% is going to be massive. I think the comebacks we've had this year, he's always been on the pitch. And I think mm. he's always been directly involved in the goals because, like you say, it becomes an issue for the team. So, mm. Um, yeah, I'm pleased he's playing for us now. To be honest with you, than than against us.
0: Yeah, okay. And um, who's the best footballer of all of them? Of all the ones that you I've been on the pitch at the same time as you. Who would be the one that you would say? Yeah, I was outside of Rooney. But who was the one that you know was just on a different level that was just extraordinary?
1: I think in terms of just pure talent and and being extraordinary was Hatton Ben Arfa. I mean, I've never seen anyone with his ability, uh, natural left foot, right foot, skill, movement, everything. I mean, Hatem, I suppose, ultimately, I don't know how much he really wanted to to, to do the other stuff that comes being a football, you know, like, mm. obviously the, the work in the, being part of the team, but for sure, individual brilliance, he was just, like, he was just on a different level. You no, know, like mm. I, Obviously, I've not played against Messi or Ronaldo, but he's the closest thing I can see to someone who could have been on that level. Um, mm. uh, but for obviously other reasons, um, he's obviously another quite managed to to, to, sort of to, to make that, it, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, have, I've seen,
0: it. I've seen him play a number of times. I saw playing for Newcastle a number of times. So yeah, ex- extraordinarily good player. Um, you know, as a fan, you would say lazy, right? You know, was just wanted the ball, and when he had the ball, he was good. When the ball wasn't in play, or when it wasn't given to his face then he wasn't quite the player that you wanted him to be. And and it's interesting that you should say whether he wanted it badly or not, right? That's a that's an interesting. Yeah, think- that's an interesting. Okay.
1: I think the thing with Hatam is I think when he when he I think when I come he come back from his broken leg and like he sort of worked really well in the system and like you say he was just he was scoring the goals like driven from the halfway line yeah. and he was just doing things every week that just no one else could. And I think like because the team needed him so much it was just a huge it was huge for us. But like you say, I think ultimately for Hatam, I didn't I, I obviously I was a teammate with him for a couple of years, but ultimately for Hattam I suppose I, I you'd have to sort of um, I suppose you look over his career and he's always gone up and down he's wanted to big clubs he's left he's gone up and down mm. and I think um, it'd be interesting to sort of get his thoughts on it one day because I, mm. you know, he obviously he obviously had the ability and the talent to do whatever he wanted literally did but obviously chose to do different things and things didn't always work mm. out and it's a pity because for sheer, if, if you just had to base it on sheer ability and sheer talent he just was miles ahead of anyone I've ever seen uh,
0: I have to ask you about the Irish connection Right, um, yeah, what it was like to play for Ireland, and uh, you know, who would probably be the best Irish player that you played with?
1: Yeah, I mean, obviously, as you can tell from my thick Irish accent, um, <laughs> my, my dad's side of the family are are from Cork, um, so I always, I, I mean, I played, I always wanted to play for Ireland growing up, that was a given, um, pardon the pun, but the um, like, yeah, I think. Looking, looking at it again, just looking back now, I'm very grateful. Like you got, I played with Shay Gibbon, who was probably one of my idols growing up, uh, and then Robbie Keane as well. You know, got to play with him towards the end, and just like John O'Shea, just, just these people who have just sort of done things in football that now they're gone, and you think, oh wow, they're just like on a different level. Mm. I mean, like Robbie Keane's goal-scoring record nationally is just phenomenal. Mm. Um, mm. Shay Gibbons, one of the latest goalkeepers in Premier League era. He's one of the greatest mm-hmm. goalkeepers in Irish history, uh, if not the greatest. And and I think like for me, my own national career didn't really get started. It ended before it started in the fact that i was probably going to go to the Euros and then obviously snap my knee playing against Slovakia. But you know, just, just to have the opportunity to be around the squad for for a few years. And I think the biggest thing I can say is like the mentality of the lads was just on a different level. I've never. It's probably the, the best group I've played with in terms of honesty, work rate, and mentality. And it just sums up the Irish spirit, it literally is like um, it 's not a coincidence and it 's not a fluke it 's just how you are it 's just the mentality mm. you have to have and something when you go on the pitch, you give everything and and I think the lads have sort of overachieved at times and they 've done the they 've always done the country proud um, and obviously it, going forward it 's going to be a new chapter I think they 're looking to bring Irish football sort of up With the times in terms of the way we play, mm-hmm. but I think one thing we can't lose is that mentality desire and, mm-hmm. and spirit but it's also it's
0: also the sheer fun it's the sheer it's the sheer joy of playing it's uh you know um you know, i I would always say that you know we do and this is just a a personal view and a biased view I tend to do things we tend to do things more with a smile um with an attitude rather than you know um taking life too seriously you know taking it seriously yeah. enough but not taking it too seriously. Yeah, um, definitely.
1: So and coming that's, back, if we, we? So I think the underdog spirit has always suited us. Mm. Um, mm. And like you say, the uh, and, and I think it's always brilliant to go. I actually went to the Euros as a fan, sort of in with the crowd, and like you kept hearing all these reports of all this trouble and that, and I was I never saw one else, and literally everyone gravitated towards the Irish fans, and it was just a brilliant yeah. atmosphere. And I think that's a massive yeah. quality to have, to have to bring people together in such a good way. Is just again, it's another it's another. Uh, attribute that's just sort of lined with, with Irish culture and, and people.
0: So what do you do outside of football, uh, What What's what's, um, what's your interest outside of football?
1: I, I, I've sort of, the last few years have been strange because I haven't played at Newcastle for one reason or the other. Um, so sort of my outside, the outside of football has sort of become a bit more, done a bit more, you know. So I really enjoy coaching, doing with coaching badges. Um, we obviously got the academy up here. we set up. Um, well,
0: well people, people don't know about the academy, so you've you set up. Just give us, give us a kind of you know, a quick yeah, overview of the academy.
1: <laughs> yeah, so we set up me and me and the lads, uh, a few of the lads at Newcastle: Dwight, uh, Matty Ritchie, Paul it, uh, Mike Williams was now involved. Um, we set up Newcastle Elite Academy, which is basically we're all from different areas. Obviously, obviously other than Paul, and in London you've got I don't know 30, 40 professional teams. So if you don't, if you get released in say Arsenal, because Newcastle is probably equivalent to Arsenal the top team in the area, you've got about 20 clubs to fall down to to get opportunities to. Now, the idea of Newcastle League, which we're working towards, is that if you get released from Newcastle or Sumberland or if you Carlisle or local clubs, there's not really many other clubs you can go to to maintain a professional level at 16. So what we want to do is bring Newcastle League forward to give local lads an opportunity to carry on their footballing experience whilst getting a good education and just sort of give kids the opportunity that maybe some of us didn't have um, or other kids didn't have Few years ago, um, and then when you look at some of the greats, even Shearer and Carrick and people like that, um, Geordies who've um, come through, some of them were missed or they went off to different clubs. So we want to make sure that the local lads in the area who, one just want to play football. You know, not everyone's going to be a professional footballer. But we want to give every lad an opportunity to experience that for two, three years, and hopefully give them a, a kick up the ladder to get themselves ahead and give themselves the best opportunity going forward. Um, yeah, and we do that work with that.
0: And, uh, you know, it's, it is extraordinary what you've been doing there and and, and not just the, the physicality or the mentality of it, but also the educational aspect, be it outside of football. And, you know, that's extraordinary. But I but I also know that you have other interests um, that you're involved in. So what are those that uh, kind of, you know, that keep you occupied and interested? Because I know you want to get into podcasting, right? Uh, yeah. So I know that's...
1: Yeah, I mean, we've got... Um, I've got uh... One Glove Goalkeeping Company, which is my um, which is the brand I own, which I was a brand I partnered with um, uh, Miles Layton, who, who started it with his brother. And so, we they sponsored this eight nine years ago, where it was now, and I just loved it. And we got on so well that I sort of bought it into the company. So, we're going to look to start a podcast just about goalkeeping, um, not so much about the One Glove, like we're not, it's not like a sales technique, but it's just about sort of bringing our sort of goalkeeping community together, um, mm. especially the One Glove one. Obviously, I have more of an interest and just getting different people to talk about it, because I think the one thing the goalkeeping does, and there's obviously every goalkeeper will say this, but we sort of get by people who aren't goalkeepers, people that don't have specialist views on the subject. So even though the likes of, say, and I genuinely enjoy listening to them, they're not goalkeepers. They talk about goalkeeping from a point of view that they don't quite understand. And I think for... For us, it's just an awareness, obviously to help local goalkeepers, but obviously to raise awareness about why goalkeepers do certain things and why situations goalkeepers might mm-hmm. choose to do one thing or the other. Um, so it, you know, goalies are like to stick together and like protect themselves, but it's just what we'd like to do, just open up to the oh, wider well, community. Um, I, I know so what one
0: goal. I know what one goalie is like anyway, right? But I but I won't talk about the I won't talk about some of the nights out. Um, that'll be that'll be a podcast for another day. Uh, I'm conscious of your time, and, and and I see the signal just varying a little bit. So just just to be sure that we kind of capture all the things. So some quick fire, some quick fire questions for you. Well, what's your favourite band? The favourite band is Biffy R- and Clary. Um, Scottish band. So my favourite band is Biffy Clary.
1: Yeah. Um, you got yeah. Biff- Absolutely, um, I've seen him seven or eight times now, and I just whenever I go, I just sort of uh, on the side hit with him. I think last time I went to see him, they played 27 songs, and it's all proper full on all the way through. Um, some unbelievable acoustic stuff, and then just the guitar, drums, just brilliant, brilliant band. All
0: right, and the signal is the signal is going in and out on us, uh, Rob. So I just want to kind of I'm, I'm conscious, and I just want to make sure that uh, we we get everything. So yeah, you know, so we, we got the band. What's, what's the last book you read? Uh,
1: the last book I read is the series, Red Trilogy series. Um, so there's three books at the start and then it's gone on to the next chapter of books. Uh, Iron Gold and um, I'm looking at the book the start. Okay. It's Red Riding Trilogy. It's absolutely amazing.
0: Uh, Good. Good, and, and, and the signal, I'm just again conscious of the signal, it's, it is it is it flip, flip, flip flipping up and down. So if there was one piece of advice you would give people in, in isolation before we finish up, what would you say it would be?
1: Uh, make sure you do your exercise, because it really does make you feel better, <laughs> and especially when you do it with some fresh air. Is that for me? Um, I hope you're not giving it. that advice.
0: Yeah. I hope you're not giving that advice to me, Mesa. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I'd maybe change the
0: camera angle if I were you, but no, that's just uh... <laughs> <laughs> uh, Absolutely. Look, Rob, it's been a pleasure, absolute pleasure. Thank you very much for giving your time. Obviously, uh, you know, stay safe, look after the family. You know, it's, uh, it is it is important. Um, you know, You are a star and a hero to me, so I thank you for your time and uh, thank you for doing... And you've just done something with the camera now, which is interesting. Yeah, um, but but that was just giving us a view of the room. But thank you for your time and and, and, and best wishes for the future. Thank you.
1: Cheers, Mike. Lovely speech, mate. Take care. Thank you. If you're interested in change,
0: mindset and personal development, whether in your personal life or career. You can head over to mauristuffy.com forward slash resources, where you'll be able to access loads of inspirational material, articles, podcasts, and motivational thoughts, as well as meditation and visualization exercises. You can also get in touch with Dr. Maurice Duffy and his team by email on at letstalkatmauristuffy.com. And don't forget to follow him on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook. Simply search for at The Big Squawks.